Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm Sherry Budziak, CEO and founder of DataWorksource. Association 4.0 is how we describe the skills needed to navigate Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Hello, thank you for tuning in to Association 4.0 podcast. My name is Sherry Budziak and I'm here today with Mike Moss. Mike is the president of SUCP, and I'm excited to have Mike here to talk to us today about leadership during and post-pandemic. Uh, Mike, thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to talk with you. Oh, thank you, Sherry. Thanks for having us. Uh, we're really excited with what we're doing at SCUP, and uh, we appreciate the opportunity to share our story a little bit. Great. Can you just tell us a little bit about you and the organization? Yeah, we are uh, the Society for College and University Planning. And so obviously our primary membership are colleges and universities. And we also have about 50% of our membership though in the for-profit industries that support higher education planning. And uh, we're here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, been around for about 56 years. And we're, we're mid-sized, uh, both in staffing and in uh, presence in the market. And I think the thing that we are most proud of is that we've developed an aggregated science or discipline called integrated planning. Um, and that's kind of where our mission has evolved over the last 50 years is into the practice and discipline of integrated planning and how that informs the strategic planning process. So we don't actually do the strategic planning for institutions. Our tools are there to actually, you know, put action and effectuation into your strategic plan. That's great. Yeah. Well, I heard you talk at another, um, another webinar or podcast, and I was uh, interested in learning more of what you guys are doing um, at your organization, um, particularly around your innovation hub that, that I've heard about. Yeah, so um, as many of us did, we were super surprised when the pandemic became a true pandemic. Um, as we went into it, we were actually at a live event uh, the weekend that the country shut down. And so um, off of that, the two or three years into our strategic plan, uh, the board of directors convened in April of 2020 and made the decision um, as we would advocate obviously as a planning organization to really lean into our strategic plan and figure out ways to accelerate years four and five now. And so in order to do that on the staffing side, what we had to do operationally was really evaluate what our capacities were, were in April of 2020, as well as what they might still be in April of 21 so that if we were to accelerate, were we able to actually do that effectively? Out of all that came the innovation because in the absence of, of us being committed to a, a process of experimentation and innovation, there was no way the aspirations we had for acceleration were gonna be possible. So as we fast forward into the fall of 2020, we launched uh, internally an innovation hub and the innovation hub is, is staffed by myself as the, as the organization's president and it's essentially set up as a, as a model of we're in the garage across a parking lot from headquarters. So the, the proverbial go tinker in the garage, don't disrupt the office. So we're over there um, in concept. And what we're doing over there is with a group of members is we're taking the topic of integrated planning and really looking at where are the gaps in practice? Where are the experiments being done in integrated planning in higher ed? Because mostly what we bring to conferences are standard practice. Mm -hmm. So the innovation was twofold. It was one to get our product development cycles, you know, sped up tremendously and to identify those experiments being done at our member institutions that were moving the discipline forward uh, through experimentation. And they, they aren't even close to standard practice yet. 
So the, the board set that up. And at the same time, we set up a go team back at the office. So, but, you know, thinking again, hypothetically, they were in the garage there in the office. Yeah. The go team was there to keep the standard practices of SCUP going during this time. So they leaned into a coaching program, our courses, moving everything to virtual, all the things that, that we all did to, to get through the pandemic. So that way, we were serving our members in our current construct with expected product, expected service, while we were over in the virtual garage experimenting with what might come next, so that we could provide service at a time of innovation. That's great. You know, a lot of um, people say, well, Sherry, you know, our staff's too small, or we don't have enough budget to have people focused or dedicated to innovation. And I know that your team is not not very large. So can we can you talk to us a little bit about about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we came into pandemic with three open positions and left them open, right? So um, we were blessed to not have to let anyone go or, or otherwise make some significant staffing adjustments. So we we have to pick up those empty positions work. But what we were able to do with the staff, and we have 18 of us total, so mid-size, is that there's an opportunity cost discussion that we had to really look at in order to do this well. So we'll start with the membership side. So our fall renewals is everything. And we are individual members, but the way people have joined, uh, the way we did some grace periods to allow people to survive the pandemic budget cuts on their campuses, put us in a situation where September to November, gosh, I don't know, two thirds of our members were renewing. And then mm. moving into the spring and, and where we are now in the summer, maybe 100 people a month. So there was a cycle of where we could predict where that segment of our staff would be their busiest and where they would be their slowest in terms of traditional service. We then did the same thing with learning where they were on basically the opposite. Because we had to cancel all the face-to-face -face stuff, because we were in transition to virtual, we looked at their, their workflows for the fall into the winter and it was a, you know, lighter than it would have been traditionally and was expected then to pick up in, in 21. So the first thing we did was look at the capacities of how are we going to provide the standard set of services and where are the opportunities to maybe put some of that aside for a few months to do things that are new. So we started with that learning sprint. So the, we set it up into 90-day sprints, and we did the first sprint in the fall with learning, where we identified some opportunities for new programs. Uh, we put up a couple new dues-supported programs, uh, which we were honestly a little weak on uh, before pandemic. So we put that learning initiative forward while membership did their heavy dive into trying to keep people with us, uh, keep the memberships with us. As we went into the spring, same thing, but flipped. So uh, learning was really busy this spring and uh, membership, as I noted, had a lot less renewals coming. So then we did an engagement sprint for 90 days in the spring that brought forward our first emerging leader program, brought forward again, some other, you've paid your dues, here's some other connection products. So some things that we were, had in our strategic plan, but we didn't expect to do for a couple of years. So the acceleration um, as it relates to the innovation there was we had to do a lot of experimentation. And admittedly, there was a few things we did that completely tanked, then that was fine because the opportunity mm -hmm. cost wasn't about, oh my gosh, now we got to go catch up with everything. The opportunity cost was making sure the teams that were doing those product sprints that failed were only really losing paid time against a small set of obligations they would normally have. If that makes sense. So we were trying to really yeah. make sure that we didn't overtax a small staff during a time of acceleration by being mindful of what could you give up and you're not going to, you know, don't worry about the renewals for 60 days. They're, they're on an automated send. Work on the new products that after that 60 day sprint, you will bring forward as a community product. 
That's great because yeah, I'm hearing a lot of burnout and overtaxing of staff right now. Um, and leaders are having a really hard time with that. So I'm just curious as you know, how is your staff kind of adapted and, and is this continuing, you know, today, I'm assuming so. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'll admit, I did not do everything well right out of the gate. Uh, my enthusiasm is my, my best strength, maybe my superpower. And it's also my biggest burden for people who have to work with me. So as we came into that first sprint last fall, um, there were way more ideas than we had in capacity, even, even just keeping them over in that virtual garage away from the headquarters operation. There was still way too much going on over there. And my enthusiasm kept chucking stuff over into headquarters saying, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? And it created, obviously, a sense of overwhelming responsibilities for everyone, despite our acknowledgement of capacities. So we, you know, I learned my lesson there. And as we went into the spring, I think we found a much better cadence of, and also a much better communication process. So we, you know, we were using huddles and touchdowns and all the things you needed to do to, to keep people informed during, during normal times, as well as during the pandemic. But we also learned how to use Slack better. We learned the difference between mm -hmm. when you have a meeting, when you post in Slack, and when you send an email. And we got a lot better at knowing when to gather information electronically, when to provide information electronically, or when to convene. And I think uh, actually, I haven't done a complete audit yet, but just looking at the senior strategy team, we have way less meetings than we used to with each other and way more meetings now with people in the market because we've been able to, to communicate, I think more effectively using the tools that were always here. But in that time of acceleration, we had to be real intentional about which tool we used, when and why. And, and I think Slack in particular has become a very powerful tool for us. And I, I know it is for many people, but for us, this was a new experience. And so I wouldn't say that was innovative, but for us, it was um, innovative thinking and how we traditionally had worked together dramatically changed in the last 12 months. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. Cause I know that, you know, we've all hearing about the Zoom fatigue. Everything was, let's have a meeting on Zoom. And then at the end of the day, you're like, okay, all I've done is have meetings on Zoom and I haven't yeah, got absolutely. anything done. Right. Um, so I know we talked a little bit on um, the last time we spoke about um, partnerships and, you know, are you thinking about partnerships differently than you today than you have in the past? Yeah, absolutely. Um, within higher ed, I'm sure with most industries, there's no shortage of acronyms available, right? So there's over 45 associations that support the administrative side of campuses alone let alone the academic and other, other areas of the campus life. So there's no shortage of opportunity to partner. Uh, it's always been a strategic piece of what we do. It's always been in every plan we've ever done is you know, the, the partnership goals. Where I think we made the improvements was in the garage when we were thinking about the Innovation Hub activities, we actually embraced the partnerships in a much more, I think, targeted way in the sense that we're like, there's no reason why we can't partner with all 45 of these amazing associations but what are the two or three that actually move their mission and our mission together first? So taking away this, the opportunity to, to maybe even just co-create or scale and just looked at mission alignment, the list gets a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. And once we got into that small list, and again, we aren't disrupting staff with this yet. We're, we're over in the, in the innovation hub is we identified, I think four, maybe five uh, potential partners that were mission and then value aligned. And then from there, wherever the opportunities so we actually developed a, uh, in the Innovation Hub a partnership idea for a co-created product with two other associations that will launch this fall. And it actually over time will evolve into its own entity. 
So instead of just being a shared services partnership or co-creation partnership, it's all of that. And with the intention of now finding there's a gap that we had between the three of us and serving our, our constituents and stakeholders that will this new entity will then fulfill. So it was, a, it, it was an ability to get really focused, find the gap, and then through some creative problem solving uh, between the three organizations, um, a whole new entity is, is gonna be launched in 2022. That's fantastic. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about how you've approached kind of your overall content strategy? Oh, great question. Sorry, I skipped like the most important part, right? So yeah. that whole uh, kerfuffle that was 2020 um, in, the, in that April timeframe, we, we kind of went silent for about 30 days, 45 days with our members because we went and made sure we strengthened and developed a very strong content strategy. Knowing that those capacities in the fall were learning uh, and not engagement or membership, we, we started with that, let's get the strong anchor of a content strategy. So our team, um, through the data that we had, uh, some assumptions on the data we didn't, put together a very robust uh, content strategy for just a two-year run. So just looking two years out, how do we get to plan completion um, quickly, differently with the you know, reduced resources that were in front of us. The board signed off on that very quickly uh, last summer. That was then the anchor for running the hub, running the, the you know that go team that was doing traditional services. But then it was the it was the strategy piece that every time we went to do something, whether it was in the innovation hub or at the headquarters structure, it was you know it was front and center as to all right, does this support one of the three strategies in our content goals? If it does not, then it's not the right time, or we're not the right association. So as it goes back to your partnership question as we all do. I mean, there, there's people we want to work with because it's mission aligned. There's people we can work with because it's opportunity aligned. And then there's people we shouldn't work with because they're amazing, but not necessarily for us, but give them the work, give them the work yeah. that might serve your community that you don't have the capacity for. And our content strategy, I think has really been strong in giving us a much better lens to say, this is what we're focused on not now and not ever. And giving the not ever's over to some of our colleagues and other associations as potentials for what they can do that we just don't have the capacities to take on. That's great. Um, so Mike, talk to me, you know, we talked a lot about kind of staff and your leadership through this, but there was also, I think, you know, I've always looked at, wow, that was really a stressful time when we were all like, oh my gosh, you know, we have to pivot quickly um, and do things a lot differently. Um, but that also created a lot of opportunities and, it, and it, I think it, and I don't know how you've worked with your board, but I think for a lot of the boards, they realized they had to be quick and agile and move on things too. Um, and this whole concept of innovation hub and how you guys kind of aligned, I think is fantastic, but talk to us a little bit about how you navigated that with your board and where they are in, in all of this. Yeah, thanks. So, um, I mean, I, I mentioned the sprint. So what was nice, we have four goals for our strategic plan. And I think like 18 strategies under that is that early on in that cycle, so May of 2020, the way our board cadence goes is we have a fall retreat and a spring retreat where we you know, do deep dive strategy work. So instead of doing that all in, as I noted on the capacity side, we went and said, okay, board, we know we can do learning this fall. So they actually agreed only to focus on learning for, for 90 days. And so they ended up with a three meeting sprint 
that was only for, focused on the learning strategies and only on strategy itself. How we operationalized that then was on, on staff to come back with the resource request or whatever we needed to do. So what I think the board did that was really helpful was they took a project management approach to the strategic management. And we segmented the calendar year, their service year is July to June, is they segmented that, that time frame into two sprints, one in learning in the fall, and then another uh, three, four meeting sprint in the spring. When I say these meetings were all virtual, they were all on Zoom. Sure. We never did longer than a 90 minute session because you know nine minutes on Zoom can be a lot, let alone nine right. <laughs> But the frequency of meetings uh, was what was agreed to is that we, we fell out of our normal cadence of every other month into these sprints that would be every other week and then we'd take a break. And every other week, you know, kind of these sprints to, to get the board service done. Um, that structure worked really well for us uh, to the point that it actually has influenced, I think, how we'll meet moving forward. Uh, we, we do imagine still doing these kind of project-based but goal-based and, and you know, high-level-based uh, conversations in these segmented sprints because the focus that we could give to one or two goals then step back and do alignment to both resources and other goals, I think was a, a cadence that we would advocate now work pretty well for us. That's great. Um, so I guess, you know, what do you see in terms um, kind of opportunities for the association industry? Oh my goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> Okay, so you know, here comes that enthusiasm, right? So I, I have no doubt, and I, I had personal loss during pandemic, as most of us have. It, it was a, it's an awful time, and it's not over, right? We're still working through uh, variants and other things, so we have a long way to go. But I, I cannot help but think, almost all of us are using a lens of optimism in the association management profession. The, the need for community, the need for um, bringing diverse thought together to solve massive problems has been amplified due to the pandemic. And that is a reason for all of us in the association industry to just be super optimistic. It does not mean that everybody wants to be a lifelong member anymore. And we, we've had all those conversations for years, but that opportunity now to construct your association to serve your stakeholders in the way that they can do systemic problem solving has, uh, for at least for my time of service, I've been doing this since 92, feels like it's the first opportunity that everybody's willing to give it a shot. And I think uh, that's, that's huge, you know, huge optimism. The, the whole thing about hybrid and virtual or in office and not, those things will all work themselves out. Uh, we were already, as many were in those type of environments anyway, we just didn't, I think, fully appreciate what that meant. And now we have that appreciation for being able to have some flexible work options. So that aside, the optimism for stakeholder engagement in ways that we just may not have thought about with that level of strategic intent before, uh, I am hugely optimistic for our industry is going. Um, how it translates into growth, I think is different. And that's, that's what we're trying to figure out at SCUP. It doesn't necessarily mean we have 10,000 more members. Wouldn't stink if we did. Right. <laughs> but I do think what we have an opportunity to do is systemically address some of the biggest challenges in our industry through that partnership handoff, consolidated, co-create mode with some entrepreneurial spirit just feels really exciting. And I, I cannot wait to see how we tackle those big issues. That's great. So um, I guess any final thoughts before we wrap up? I think that that's um, some great um, optimistic, enthusiastic thoughts for our industry. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, everybody, of course, last year it was like, oh my gosh, are we going to survive? And some didn't, but a lot did. And a lot are thriving because as you know, what, what you mentioned, but 
guess any you know final thoughts before we wrap up today? Oh yeah, I think um, for me, Guy Kawasaki, who had worked at Apple, is a huge. Mm -hmm. He's written a ton of books. He's an innovation advocate, right? So I think Guy's work. Um, I've followed it for a long time, and we actually ended up using him as a keynote this year uh, for our annual conference and a virtual annual conference. And it's awesome. And the most important point that Guy has taught me that I think has helped with my work just in general is it's easy to listen to the 1% of people that think you're wrong. You just got to keep going, right? And so the, the be bold, be brave, you know, let's get to work mantra, I think is really exciting for associations. It's definitely exciting for SCUP. And um, I would challenge all of us that we're going to make mistakes. That's, whole, that's the whole part of the journey. But you know, we always want to learn from those, but let's not get detracted by those. And I think that's going to be at times very hard because I think as an industry, we have some very hard decisions in front of us as to how we're going to support our stakeholders in a time of global change. And I would just advocate, you know, listen to the lessons of the disgruntled, but don't let the disgruntled give you the guidance. Uh, stay strong, stay forward. That's great. That was a great quote. So I will wrap up with that today. I don't know that I can say anything better. So <laughs> well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mike. We really appreciate it and appreciate your story and um, the contributions that you're making to the industry. Yeah, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode and discover tips and information that will add value to your leadership style in your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com to find out how to get your organization on track to Association 4.0. You can also engage in other educational content by becoming a member of .org community or reading our books on Association 4.0, which you can find on Amazon. We look forward to hearing from you soon.